Hey, Melissa. Hi, Kurt. Why am I saying hello? I was going to say, I don't know. Also, you are like 10 feet from the microphone. You are full on leaning back. I am leaning in now. Well, good. I'm leaning in. Well, welcome back to the podcast. We took a week off, as yes. I'm sure people are well aware. Because but it was they, literally only the podcast, not a week missed, off from anything else. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, we had to take a week off from the podcast because there was so much going on. And a lot of it had to do with forensics. Yeah. Uh, we held the NCFL National Qualifier last week, Sunday, which is when we normally record, which is why we did not record. Sorry. In addition to going to Kakana, and then you prepped your tournament all week, and yeah. then Sheboygan South was yesterday. Uh, today we had the WFCA exec board winter meeting here in Sheboygan, and then on Saturday I run my tournament. Oh, so and, and, and in between there, Tuesday night I'm hosting a coaching clinic. So we've we've had a real leisurely few weeks. Yeah, oh, we've just been relaxing. Sorry we were too calm and zen to record. <laughs> but we're back now with our normal crazy selves Why are who we are too tired this? Oh my God. to really make any sense. Um, but I've, I have a feeling that today's conversation is actually really going to get us in the mood to talk about forensics. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, it's not that I'm not in the mood to talk about forensics. It's just that I am still upset with myself for being unable to convince you to let me record this laying down. Well, you didn't bring it up recently and I forgot. Okay. Well, maybe next week because it will be after your tournament and we will officially be shells of ourselves. We will record this laying down. One of these days we might give that a shot. If it's good enough for John Lovett, it's good enough for me. Well, you know what? Sometimes (laughs) I don't know what to say in response to a John Lovett comment. (laughs) All right. So since we last recorded, (laughs) we went to Kakana. Kakana is one of our favorite tournaments of the year. The judges lounge is impeccable. There's just so much food. It's beautiful. That's all there is to say. We've talked about it every, every year. And we continue to to love it it. and it continues to be fantastic. So I love to eat banana bread. I know it's not vegan, but I'm just glad that there's banana bread there. There's always a large bevy of donuts and bagels. People getting very excited in my ear as they eat deviled eggs. (laughs) In your ear? Yes. I went up to get um, a bagel and there was a woman who was staying next to me and just eating deviled eggs and just, I feel bad doing this for all of our friends who are listening to their headphones, but it was like, oh, mm, oh, I just love, oh, these are just, mm, I love deviled eggs. Oh, these are just so good. Mm." I'm like, she's in my ear. It was so bad. While the deviled eggs are like present? Yes. She was doing this in front of the deviled eggs? Yes. Wow. She literally like was read, like she was standing like behind me on my right side and like chewing in my ear and I didn't like it. I was just trying to butter my bread. (laughs) That's crazy. Do you butter side up or butter side down? Butter side up. Okay. You know, crazy person. (laughs) But Kakana was also just a nice tournament. It was nice that the wrestling tournament wasn't happening this year as the forensics tournament was going on. Um, it is nice when those things don't have was, to overlap. Yeah, there was just less smells, which I always appreciate because forensics tournaments already have enough smells. So I'm glad that there weren't all of the smells, just some of them. A couple were absent. This yes. Year. Also, all the great shout out to the Kakana Science Club. <laughs> <laughs> yes. With all of their excellent, excellent promotional materials around Kakana High School. Those crazy dad jokes were real good. And the signs were so poorly laid out. I I loved it. And then Kakana was over and then it was me. And well, no, because we on Sunday. Oh, yeah, we went to CFL. Yeah, we went to Winnicani and we did CFL qualifiers. Mm -hmm. 
and I wore my really great sweater and qualified kids for nationals. Shout out to anyone who's listening to the podcast with kids that qualified for CFLs, or if you are a kid who qualified for CFLs, congratulations! Yay. Washington, Washington DC. DC. It's gonna be so much fun. It's so expensive. So much funds. So much funds. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Um. Yeah. And then. And then South. Yeah. South did something crazy this year. You did four time slots. Yep. Instead of three. Yep. For three rounds of preliminary competition. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd that go for you? I mean, it, it seemed, we got a good amount of feedback. Obviously, we were the first tournament in the state who was trying out. Whitewater was also doing it simultaneously with us, but it was the first time we were asking our association to go along with it for us because it's something that we are also going to be doing at state. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like... Kids really enjoyed the fact they could go watch their teammates in their other categories. Uh, it was nice to be able to give judges a little bit of a break in the day. So hopefully, I mean, it wasn't our best tournament. I'll be the first to admit that, uh, that it wasn't our best one, but it it went okay, I think. It did. I mean, so. it only added about an hour onto the day by doing the fourth Time slot, mm-hmm. so and, that's about as good as you can expect. And, from and part of a whole extra, yeah. And slot. I don't, and I don't think it, it's because necessarily of the timeline that we had. I know that there are plenty of ways that we'll be able to tighten up that timeline in the future. One of them being our building actually having all the classrooms unlocked for the tournament. Yeah, that happens everywhere. But yeah, it's over now, and so there's that. It's done. Survived. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just still very tired. Uh, also dealing with just like a huge pain in my face with my teeth. So just unenthusiastic about moving my mouth. Oh, that's new information. Okay. <laughs> you didn't see me the entire winter exact just putting gum numbing cream into my mouth. No. That's good. I was very self-conscious about it. I was paying attention to other people talking. Oh, good for you. You're I'm, such an attentive exec board I member. I was in forensics, so I have learned how to look and listen when people speak. Good for you. So I looked at you only when, when you speaking. were speaking or when I needed to make sassy eye contact. Yes. Which we only think did twice. Yeah. So that's not bad for us. Yeah, that's really good for us. That's, yeah, that's really but, good for us. But um, yeah, the, our tournament is done and now I'll coast a coaching clinic on Tuesday and then help you with your tournament on Saturday. Also, once yeah. we get off of mic, I did decide who I want to run the middle school with me. Okay, good. I I'm found, glad you've made I found out someone that I really like is going to be at your tournament who is not Antonio. So Okay. All right. We'll see if we can make that happen for you. Please. Okay. Um, so let's, since we're both still kind of tired and it's the middle of the season, let's jump right into what we're going to talk about today, which is really uh, just a focus on... Some it's current events. Yeah. Um, we did not have the podcast last week, so we did not get to respond to uh, the shooting that happened in Parkland, Florida at Stoneman Douglas High School. Um, so we're going to talk about that for a little bit today. Um, and the blessing in not having our podcast last week to talk about it is this week we get to talk about not only the event, but the reaction to the event, mm-hmm. which has been an un precedented and unbelievably inspiring reaction from the student body at Stoneman Douglas uh, who are speaking out against the NRA, 
um, and against and, and for gun control. Um, and they are debating with politicians and with media organizations and with lobbying organizations. And they are doing so fiercely and eloquently. And uh, they are really representing themselves, I think, as well as any person possibly could in their situation. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, 17 people died Mm -hmm. as a result of uh, a 19 year old gunman uh, securing an AR-15 rifle and walking through Stoneman Douglas High School and shooting kids and adults who uh, were there uh, during the school day. Who believe that there was a fire drill. Yes, the the fire alarm was pulled. Um, So, I mean, in in the immediate aftermath of that attack, there was some conversation online uh, among the coaching community in Wisconsin and and, uh, outside of Wisconsin about like, gosh, what would we do? Um, Which prompted a discussion between me and my administrators. Um, If it's not a discussion you've had with your administrators, if you're especially if you're like us and you're not a teacher in the school, uh, teachers uh, in our district have to go through Alice training. Mm -hmm. Um, I am support staff in my school district. You don't work for the school district. So we don't get that training. We Mm -hmm. don't have that background. Um, So it, it took some asking, some reaching out to say, what do I do? If God forbid that should happen while I am at the school working with a student or uh, if it should happen while I am running a tournament, which was, you know, on the horizon and is is now next week. Um, And it prompted some good conversation uh, and that conversation is ongoing. And I don't want to talk about, you know, what my administrator said or what my administrator says I should do. I just want to prompt coaches to be proactive and to ask the question, even though I hate that it has to be asked. Um, there is a part of me that's a little bit ashamed that I never thought to ask the question before because it's certainly a school shooting is not something that has not happened in the past. Um, but something about this one, uh, seeing that it was Stoneman Douglas in Broward County, which we hear about in forensics a lot because Mm -hmm. of, uh, because of their superintendent who is a big proponent of, of speech and debate, uh, and who sits on the board for the NSDA, you know, when, when you saw the name and you saw the school and and so quickly you saw people on Facebook who you are friends with, who are coaches and who are students, um, you know, expressing their concern for the people who were a part of that shooting. Uh, it hit home in a way that other shootings had not personally for me. And so shame on me for not asking the question earlier. But learn something from this if you can. Uh, in a, a terrible, terrible situation. If you can learn something from it, great. I have. Uh, it started some conversations and that's that's good. So that's kind of like my reaction to the actual event. Um, but now let's talk about what tremendous good has come out of it. Mm-hmm. And it is that uh, those same students who had to endure uh, the horror of seeing their classmates and teachers gunned down are now speaking up and they are speaking out and the world is paying attention to those young people. And some, in some cases they are even paying attention to the fact that those young people come from speech and debate programs. It's one of the reasons that they are so capable at advocating for themselves is because Broward County school district uh, has debate classes at all 
three levels, elementary, middle, and high school. They have an incredibly huge forensics program. Something like 80% of students who take debate classes in the on the high school level then go on to participate in the debate program as an after-school activity, mm-hmm. even after the class is finished. So these students are set up with the tools to be able to not only advocate for themselves, but do so from an informed place. And so it's one of those things where we get to see what happens when not only a program is supported, but students are supported by the adults around them because it could have been an instance where the adults in that school could have been the ones who are speaking, but they realize that this is something that happened to their student body. And so all of them took a step back to allow the students to step forward, not only into the ability to advocate for themselves, but they've stepped over into the national spotlight and are the ones who are organizing a movement that Mm -hmm. people have been sort of waiting around to happen for years. And I posted about it from my own personal Facebook. Like there were all these think pieces being written even before the superintendent spoke about the debate programs, about how all the, like all of a sudden people are realizing that high schoolers and teenagers aren't just looking at their cell phones constantly. And those of us who are in speech and debate programs are saying, yeah, we know we're working with these students on a regular basis. We understand how smart and wonderful they actually are. And so then shortly after that was when he came forward and was talking about how one of the reasons they're able to do that is because they come from a school district that has given them the tools to be able to do so. Yeah. So Broward Schools Superintendent Robert Runcie. Um, Runcie. There we go. I didn't is, want to say his name and pronounce it wrong. Yeah, is uh, uh, is on the the NSDA board, the National Speech and Debate Association board. Um, and, you know, his his response uh, in support of the students did clarify that, like, students are taught extemporaneous speaking at a very young age. And like Melissa said, every school in their county, every school in their county has a has a debate program, including all 20 elementary schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we they have set their students up in the best way possible to deal mm-hmm. with a terrible situation. Um, and it's a terrible event, but that has led to a beautiful realization of the skill set that they have given these young people. I don't think any of us work hard at what we do in debate or speech in forensics in the hopes that our young people would have to respond to something like this. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think we, we part of what we do is that we coach students to be good people and to react yeah. to the world in an articulate manner. Um, and so that they don't ever have to experience this and they certainly wouldn't perpetrate this. Uh, but the fact that the gift these young people have been given in the ability to communicate and advocate for themselves through speech and debate is being used right now. It is really inspiring to watch and, and, and still incredibly sad. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't, I don't like talking about this cause Mm-mm. like you but can't, when we were talking yeah. about the episode part of me, it was like, if we both end up crying on mic, people are going to make fun of us because you can't help. Because like, you, but yeah, you can't help you but get about emotional this. about it. Like the idea like that this could be, my students who would have to be doing this is a thing that makes it like really hard for me to talk about because you want to come at a, from a place where like you are so like proud of the speech and debate community that like you are associated with them. But also it's the idea that like 
these are someone's like students that are doing this, that like this coach is having to support them from a place that like I don't know that I would be strong enough to be able to do so right now because you're trying to support them through dealing with this trauma. But also the nation is looking upon them to represent an entire sect of their peer group. Like we've just they've just lived through one of the most horrible things you can ask someone to live through. But they're also receiving and like they're trying to stand up for themselves and advocate for themselves. But they're also being hit with all this criticism and all of this. The people are saying horrible things about these they're, they're children. A lot of them are still children, but they are finding a way to persevere through what's happened to them in order to try to make sure it's not happening to anyone else. And so the idea that there are people who are even any semblance of disrespectful to these kids makes me so curse word, curse word, angry. Yep. <laughs> and but it's also the idea that like th- like this, these are these kids are on someone's team like mm-hmm. that is really hard for me to deal with. Because if it was my kid, I would hate it. Yeah. I would hate that they were, I would, I'd be so proud of them, but I would hate it. Yeah. Um, and I just, I hope and I pray that that is never a situation in which I or yeah. the young people that I know and care about have to find themselves. Yeah. Cause, cause, and I don't, there are people who are worried that the situation, like they're being exploited, but these kids have been taught these skills and they have been supported so intensely by their programs and the adults around them that like they are making these choices to stand up for themselves. They're making the choice to be the faces that are going to talk to these news outlets. Like they're, they, they, they've been given the choice. Normally we don't let kids have the choice. We don't give them voting Mm -hmm. rights until they're 18. So this is how they're going to do what they need to do in order to make change. And the speech and debate world is what helps support to bring them there. Right. Among all sorts of other amazing things that are in their life and adults that are there. But the thing that we're talking about today is this is the yeah. power of speech and debate in the lives of, of children. And very specifically, because it's, it's exactly what they're doing. They're speaking and they're debating. They are, they're bringing those skills, the evidence that they, you know, the, the Miami Herald, is that what yep. Ma- the Miami Herald wrote an article it's uh, titled last fall, they debated gun control in class. Now they debate lawmakers on TV. You know, the debate team was, prepping these cases to debate gun control was what they were talking about in class. And so they have the information, they have uh, the ability to speak up and, uh, and they were ready for this in a very specific way. Mm -hmm. Um, But even if they hadn't had this particular evidence, they would have the skill set to know how to gather the evidence and how to build an argument and how to tear down a bad argument, which is so much of what they are being faced with now on a daily basis. Um, they are being faced with arguments from gun lobbyists who want to make it seem like, uh, I mean, they're accusing them of, of ridiculous notions. Like they are, they are crisis actors, mm-hmm. uh, that CNN is coaching these young people, uh, to give the the questions or answers that they are giving. Um, when really it's just articulate young people who know how to make an argument and who know how to ask a question. Um, and, and that is, uh, you know, some of the people who are at the forefront of this are people who are active in speech and debate. But again, because it's a school wide program, they've all been given the skills, even, even though if they're not on the team, yeah, even though students the class. Who aren't on the team are advocating and asking questions and know how to do that. Even the, the people who don't have the evidence backing them up and aren't the ones facing off against lawmakers, um, they are still able in interviews to ask articulate questions, to to give speeches um, at, at these rallies, at these funerals, um, you know, at these listening sessions, these town halls. 
Um, it's, it's a wide range of people who are getting up. Uh, some young people who are, are brave enough to identify, you know, their own political beliefs and leanings, uh, prior to the event and how their minds have been changed as a result of the, the event that they lived through. Um, so it's, it's speech and debate doing its work across every life. Um, and it's such a model for how I think the rest of the country should be teaching young people, um, how to communicate. Like this is such a beautiful model. Um, and I know that the, you know, the NSDA has been pointing to Broward County for years as, as its example, as its shining example of what speech and debate can do for a community and for young people in school, um, as they are learning and as they are growing and, and uh, I hate, I hate that this happened and I hate that this skill set has to be used in this way. Yeah. But I've never been more grateful for what speech and debate does for young people. I've never been more certain that what I have devoted the last 15 years of my life to was not a waste of time. This is, this is too important um, and and that we've given our young people these skills to be able to advocate for themselves and for others. Um, hopefully it, never in a situation this intense, uh, but that we have given them those skills is important and and it gives it gives so much meaning and value to how I choose to spend my time, even though like sometimes we complain about it yeah. and it's hard um, and it's exhausting and nothing is more emotionally exhausting than and then having to watch this play out on our televisions. But if you haven't watched any of the clips of the teenagers, I highly recommend going and watching Emma Gonzalez's speech she gave at a rally literally three days after it happened. And it's one of the most moving pieces of oration I've ever watched. Like I had to walk away from my desk with my computer to go watch privately because I was just overcome. I'm emotional thinking about it right now, Um, but it's what people are referring to as the we call BS speech. Mm -hmm. And again, this is an 18 year old girl who was able to three days after watching her entire school community be ravaged by tragedy was able to come forward and really be one of the main sparks of an entire movement. And she's one of the faces you're seeing most often when people are talking about these students. Uh, But also if you haven't watched any of the clips from the uh, parents and family talking to Marco Rubio during the town hall, that is another great example of students being able to advocate for themselves within the discourse. So, please take time to watch any, any, either of those videos or any of the talking heads of these students being interviewed by any of the Mm -hmm. major media organizations, because they are like, they're already inspirations for having been able to survive what they did and come out on the other side, um, still as compassionate people, but also being able to advocate knowing that they don't want this to happen to anyone else. So the fact that we get to even be mildly associated with these these people being part of speech and debate is a gift in of itself. Mm-hmm. So I, I take so the time. Ad, I so admire what they are doing. And uh, I really encourage everybody who listens to this podcast to, if you, I mean, how could you not, if you're listening to this podcast, how could you not be aware yeah. of the connections that forensics has to that situation? But if you weren't uh, seek out some more information, cause it is truly, truly impressive what those kids are doing. And, um, and it's it's easy to know where those uh, impressive skills came from. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to find out. 
It's right there in front of us. I legit need to find a tissue now after talking about this. Okay. I don't know where the tissue box is, Kurt. It's, it's in my studio. One second. <laughs> and, we, and we understand that this isn't one of those, our normal, like, lighthearted topics, but it's too important not to discuss. And we hope that you take time to have these discussions with your, with your students and the people in your life. And again, talking to your administrators about um, what sort of plans can be put in place, even if you are someone who's in your building if there are plans set in place for what to do when you are out of your building and an extracurricular, if there are plans that they can help you establish with your students and things you can do just to feel more prepared, even just having the conversation with your students, even if your administration doesn't. I mean, we've, we're learning more and more every day that we cannot underestimate our kids. Right. So on that note, <laughs> I'd like to end um, with a little bit more of a lighthearted and happy uh, thing to talk about. And that is that coming up this week on March 2nd, uh, it is going to be National Speech and Debate Education Day. Oh, wow. That was right in my ears. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm just so enthusiastic about speech and debate right now. Yes. Um so that's uh, March 2nd is this Friday. If you're listening to this podcast on Monday, yeah. it is this Friday. <laughs> um, and uh, what the NSDA has done um, is they have put together this toolkit that you can get online uh, that includes uh, just ways that you can help to promote National Speech and Debate Education Day, uh, timeline, social media, things that you can put out into the world, uh, extra resources for advocating for speech and debate in your school. Um, there's uh, merch. There's frequently asked questions. Um, so you can go on to uh, speechanddebate.org and uh, or check out speechanddebateday.org to get all of that information. Um, and we have this opportunity in the midst of a really sad time for high school students in the United States to once again advocate and celebrate this amazing activity that we have um, and talk about uh, what what it has given to us as individuals uh, in a very special way. Uh, so don't forget to, to celebrate that. Uh, even if it's too late for you to plan something formal uh, by Friday, um, you know, at least mention it to your team, at least uh, bring yeah, it up. It might be a fun day to you. wear like your team, like your forensics team t-shirts all together. Or if you're someone who is like not in a building or you're an alumni, if you still have one of your old forensics team t-shirts, just wear it casual Friday. Yeah. And then with people, when people ask about it, you can sort of talk about what it is. It's really just about more visibility for our activity, but also for those of us who forensics is plenty visible to, to celebrate how lucky we are to be a part of this truly, sincerely incredible community. Absolutely. So yes, that's uh, national speech and debate education day, March 2nd, 2018. We'll be celebrating. Go celebrate. Go celebrate. I mean, we'll be celebrating by being at your student I was congress. Say, I'll, be, I'll be holding a student <laughs> congress. So that's how I'll celebrate. Um, I'll be wearing my, I'll be wearing merch probably. Yeah. You know what? I will too. It'll be fun. That'll be great. That's a good way to do it. Um, so yeah, with that, uh, I think we probably need to wrap it up because we have had an emotional conversation. Yeah. And let's, what, what, okay. Let's, what's something enjoyable that people can be doing this week other than celebrating national speech and debate week? 
Kirsten is so contemplative well, right now. I, I don't know I'm what going, people can do at this time I'm of year. Suggest, I'm always busy. Okay, so it's middle of the season. I'm going to suggest a game that my students and I have played before um, where it's sort of a thing to do when no one wants to practice. And what you do is you pick someone else's piece on the team and you try to perform as much of it as you can from memory or sort of like a parody of it. It's a really fun way to get people to take forensics a little bit less seriously. It's also a fun bonding activity. And also you can see just how much kids are paying attention to their teammates pieces it doesn't it does not it doesn't have a name or anything but mm-hmm. it's just a fun way to sort of break up a practice and we're starting to get to that place in the season where everyone's getting a little bit sick of their pieces everyone's starting to plateau a little bit so it's a good way to shake things up so just do something fun with your practice this week that's a good idea Thanks. I will advocate for that. Okay, great. And I'm just going to keep working on my tournament. <laughs> that, <laughs> also a reminder, stay healthy. There are so many sick kids this weekend. I saw so many like sniveling yeah. Kleenex box carrying students. Just a reminder, like stay healthy, y'all. Drink water, rest properly, vitamin C, vegetables are your friends, all that good stuff. I like that. Thanks. But good. again, we, we just are very grateful to be a part of this community right now, feeling so supported uh, and just really lucky to have all of you, all of our friends. Yes. So on that note, have a great week, guys. Whose turn is it to do the outro? I have literally no clue. I can pull it up. Do you just want me to do it? Yeah. I mean, I can do it from memory, but. All right, Miss, I can do it from memory. Forensics Faces is recorded and edited in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Our theme song was recorded by J.J. Hammeister. If you. Wrong. Our theme song was written and performed by J.J. Hammeister. Fine. Keep going. Okay, our theme song was written and performed by J.J. Hammeister. If you would love to give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, please do so. Uh, also, follow us on social media, Forensics Faces on Facebook or at Forensics Faces on Twitter. You so can much reach paraphrasing. Us, you can reach us uh, via email. <laughs> I thought I got... The fact that I am even sitting <laughs> I upright. I know, but you were all like, I could do it from memory. I said, I'm pretty sure I could do it from memory. Pretty sure post-tournament is basically 30%. <laughs> you got most of it out there. Um, I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa. I encourage you to listen. Think. And speak. Preferably in that order. Oh, tournament week. Man, do I hate crying on the podcast. <laughs>